Thank you. You may be seated. This morning, I want to share with you a sermon entitled, I Am a Living Sacrifice. I am, and that word in there, uh, the little uh, Arabic sign, looks like a U with a little dot at the top, that is uh, uh, an Arabic N uh, for uh, our letter capital N, and that letter stands for Nazarene. Um, and we'll get into that a little more in a few minutes. But I am in a living sacrifice. Now, for a number of years, our faith family has promoted and prayed for this ministry of voice of the martyrs. The voice of the martyrs, they seek to remind us of those who are presently being persecuted for being followers of Jesus Christ, something we very seldom think about. We're so engulfed in our own personal lives and things are going good, we fail to think about Christians who are having difficult times throughout the world. Now, you, we need to be reminded that there's thousands and thousands and thousands of brothers and sisters in Christ who are being persecuted on a daily basis. And so this morning, I'm praying that God convicts us to identify with them because we are all part of that same global family of Jesus Christ. They may be there, we're here, but we're still part of that same family. And I know from time to time we get frustrated with the things that are happening in this country, but we're not a perfect country. We're not a perfect country. We're, we're a country, however. We're a country that is quickly turning away from God. I mean, it's like breakneck speed. We're rushing to turn away from God. And many parts of our government are leading that charge to turn away from God. Now, remember, there's never been a nation, never been a nation, really never been a person who turned from God without experiencing the wrath and judgment of God. However, when our nation has been attacked, and it has been, you, re you can recall Pearl Harbor as World War II began, and we were uh, attacked by the Japanese, and several thousand people were killed in that attack. 9-11, another example where our country uh, was attacked uh, by uh, radical Muslims. They attacked our country. Thousands of people died. We just uh, remembered that uh, anniversary date. But uh, we pull together when those things happen as Americans. We pull together to do what we can do to help those who are fighting the battle against our enemies. We always come together. So the point is we will do what it takes to support those in battle. And the way we do that is we join the battle. We join the battle. My dad told me, and I've shared this with you from time to time, I grew up there at Rockwood, and there's a stone plant there, stone quarry there. And I think I was sharing with Eric not long ago. And, and uh, my dad shared there's a big mill and there was a small mill. They called it the big mill and the little mill. And so dear, when World War II broke out, uh, all the, most of the men and young men uh, joined the army or whatever branch and they, they went off to war and they closed that little mill, that little plant, stone plant, they closed that plant, they turned it into a shell plant. 
to make uh, ammunition to help those who were fighting the war for us. And there were very few men left that didn't go to, uh, to service. And so the women worked in that shell plant. And they made these large um, uh, artillery shells that went overseas to help defend us and to help us in a very critical time. So we joined the battle. You know, sugar and other food uh, commodities were rationed to make sure that those that were fighting the battle would be taken care of. And so the point is, we support those who are fighting our enemies. And I pray that we'll be convicted that thousands and thousands and thousands who are fighting for their lives while being persecuted to the point of death for following Jesus Christ, I pray that we'll be convicted to assist those in prayer, help those any way that we can. They want prayer. Primarily, they, they want us to pray for them. If you would, look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. I don't have a so-called outline this morning, but I wanted to share this. It's on my heart in regards to the persecuted church. Hebrews 13. Look at verses 1 through 3 for just a moment. First of all, Hebrews 13 verse 1, he says, Paul says, uh, let brotherly love continue. Now, there, there's some instructions for the Christian. First of all, he says, let brotherly love continue. Now, 1 John 3 verse 14 says it this way, we know that we have passed from death to life. You want to know how you pass from death to life? You know how you want you want to know how you're you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? Well he says, you know that we've passed from death to life because why? Because we love the brethren. Love is a characteristic of a believer, not just the brethren, but everyone, but especially those that we're part of, the family we're part of, the family of God. So first of all, he says there in verse one, he says, Let brotherly love continue. But then he says we are to love the stranger. Look at verse 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Abraham did that. Abraham was entertaining a stranger and turned out to be uh, an angel. And so we're to show love to the brethren, we're to show love to the stranger. But look at verse 3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Now, what does that mean? He says, listen, the Hebrew brethren at this time, they were suffering because of the cause of Christ, or the causes of Christ. And there were some Christians who were still straddling the fence, and they wouldn't help these other Christians who were struggling. They were afraid of this guilt by association. I'm not going to help them. Next thing you know, they're going to be coming after me for being a believer. And so they were afraid because of guilt by association. Now, there was a, a disciple that felt the same way. If you remember, he was in a garden, and Christ was, had been arrested, and he had been accused of being a follower of Christ, and he's standing around this campfire. Remember that story? Remember that guy? Peter, and Peter was afraid of being found guilty by associating with Christ, and so he denied Christ. He denied Christ. He says, no, I don't know the man. 
Well, we saw you with him. No, I've never been with the man. Third time, he cursed and denied Christ. Peter did the same thing that we're warned about in Hebrews 13, verse 3, about not being, not being a part of those who, the lives of those who are suffering for Christ's sake. However, we're to remember them, he says, that are in bonds, King James, that are in bonds as if we're chained with them, New King James says. We need to remember them as if we're in bonds with them, that we're chained together with them as they're being mistreated because we ourselves are in the same body with them, the same body of Christ. The point being, a part of the body of Christ, as a part of a body of Christ, we're to stand with and to identify with the persecuted church. Add the persecuted church to your prayer list, your devotional list to pray for. We need to care for them. We need to encourage them. We need to, uh, uh, to do whatever we can for them. I mean, we do not let them suffer alone. We don't let them suffer in silence. Now, why do we not do that? Why do we not let them suffer alone? Why do we not let them suffer in silence? Because we need to wake up and prepare spiritually for what's coming our way. Just because it's overseas doesn't mean it's not coming here. And we felt a little breeze this past couple of years and how the general public feel, the majority of them feel about the church and about Christians. You know, according to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, there have been more Christians die for the faith in the past 100 years than all the Christians in all centuries combined. More died the last 100 years. And that's including Nero and the thousands and thousands of Christians he burned as torches. It's told that uh, history tells us that Nero had his, his garden lined with human torches. And he would set fire to those torches where they could see at night. But counting all of the destruction that Nero did in Rome in regards to the Christian, there have been more Christians put to death the past 100 years than all of those centuries combined. Now, why is that? First of all, there are more Christians. There are more Christians. But secondly, persecution has come from other religions. Not only the uh, radical Muslim, but also the Hindus have started persecuting Christians. And so we are witnessing a fierce, determined effort to stamp out those who are followers of Jesus Christ. You better not forget that. Amen. Behind it all, remember this, behind it all is Satan and all of his followers. But however, one day, praise God, Jesus Christ will be victorious over Satan and all of his followers once and for all. And that will come. Now the question is this. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Are you on the losing side? We've read the end of the book. We know what's going to happen. Are you on the winning side? You see, when that Islamic State 
when the militants moved into northern Iraq, they began to identify Christians who owned property. And they identified them with that Arabic uh, symbol, letter. And they would go to, they would go to, uh, they would go to the homes and they'd put that letter, that red symbol, the letter N in Aramaic. They would put that letter on the side of their house. That would identify their, their, their N's that live in that house. Followers of the Nazarene. They lived there. They'd mark that on a Christian business because a Christian owned the business with the N, the Aramaic N, following the Nazarene. They'd go to churches. And they would they defame the churches by putting that Aramaic symbol in. Followers of the Nazarene. And so this Arabic letter accused the occupants of being followers of Jesus Christ. Those who followed Jesus of Nazareth rather than Islam. And now a person who makes a faith commitment to be in a believer pays a high cost in those areas. We're told that pastors are beheaded. We're told that teenagers are forced to, uh, to go into some type of slave service. Some teenagers are raped and beaten and mutilated. Children are even shot. Once a person, once a family is identified with that symbol as a believer, as a Christian, as a follower of the Nazarene, they pay higher taxes, they leave everything behind. If they have to, if they, have to they, they pay the taxes. If they're allowed to stay there, if, if they can pay the taxes. If not, they flee and they become refugees. And then many are executed. Since 2003, millions have been forced to leave their homes because they would not renounce Jesus and the Bible. You've seen on TV, on Newsreel, all these refugee camps and how Christians are forced to leave different areas. They trust God for their food. They trust God for their shelter. They trust God for their safety. But they have to get to a place of safety. They have no money. They have no work. They have no place to go. They're just strung out, hundreds and thousands of them, in tent cities. Why? Because they're Christians. They're Christians. And God calls on you, He calls on me as brothers and sisters to be a part of this global body of Christ and to stand with them and to care for them and to encourage them and to pray for them. We dare not let them stand alone and suffer in silence. We have to join them in the fight. Now, as we close this morning, I, I mentioned a question uh, that must be answered by you today. Are you on the winning side? Whose side are you on? Jesus said, you can't straddle the fence. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. Whose side are you on? Are you in? Are you in? Are you, in, are you on his side? 
So to put it another way, are you, are you in? The point is, true believers that are in are willing to make a sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. That's the least thing you could do as a believer. So when faithful believers choose Jesus, when you choose Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have to count the cost of being His disciple. Speaking of cost, look at, if you would, to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It should be on the screen. Then He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after Me, follow Me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Let him deny himself all of his selfish whims and ambitions and desires. Doesn't matter anymore to me. I'm going to follow Christ. Pick up my cross, those things that are burdens to me, burdensome to me, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Verse 24, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit, will, what profit it is to a man if he gains the whole world and, and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his fathers and in his holy angels. But I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. If you would look to Luke 14, Luke 14, a couple of verses there along the same line. Luke 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sister and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now that word hate, it doesn't mean the same as we, have, we use the word hate today. The word hate there in the original means to love less. If anyone comes to me and does not love his father and mother and his brother and his sister and even his own life, if he doesn't love those less than me, he cannot be my disciple. Which means Christ has to be number one in your life. First place in your life. Number one priority in your life, Christ first. Not that you literally hate your mother, and that's not what he said. You love them less than me. Verse 27, and who does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And look, if you will, at verse 33. So, likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You know, I'm really, I really struggle with people today who tell me that they're in and they're not willing to sacrifice their time to worship, sacrifice to serve, sacrifice 
not willing to sacrifice to pray, not willing to sacrifice to give or to go or to grow as a Christian. Jesus says, Likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You say, well, Brother Sammy, are you telling me that I'm to get rid of everything in order to follow Jesus? I'm not telling you anything. All I'm doing is sharing with you what Jesus said. Jesus said to be a follower of his, you and I must be willing to sacrifice everything we have in this world in order to fulfill God's call and obey him and serve him. That's what he says. You know, years ago, 1975, God, uh, I was licensed into the gospel ministry. And God called me a couple of years before that, I believe, 73. And, um, and I told God, I said, God, I said, uh, uh, I'm going to go full-time in ministry. I, I d- didn't consider bivocational. I wanted to, to be full-time in ministry. And I was willing to, to sacrifice my job. I had something I wanted to do all my life until God called me to preach. had a good job. Uh, I was in retail management. I made good money. Judy and I, we, we uh, moved around. We, we were married 12 years and never spent Christmas twice in the same house. But we met a lot of friends, new friends, and uh, they're still long-time friends. And we moved to Phil Campbell, started back to school, and moved in the housing project over on Nick's Road. And, and I took a part-time job, and Judy sacrificed uh, her being a stay-at-home mom, and she went to work at Bluebell in Hackleburg. We did all of that in order to fulfill God's call and be obedient to him. And Jesus is saying, count the cost. He told his disciples, and then he tells us, his disciples today, that we're going to be sheep, and we're going to be in the midst of wolves. And as the world hated him, the world will hate us. And the closer we get, now remember this, the closer we get for the time for Jesus to come back for his church, the worse it's going to get. Not going to get better. It's going to get worse. I like what um, the voice of the martyrs said in this book. They said this. This is, this is great. Go on their website. You'll love to read how people are just sacrificing because uh, they're, they're being persecuted, but they're willing to sacrifice. For Jesus' sake. Listen to this. Yet our Christian brothers and sisters in the Muslim world proclaim through word and action, quote, it's worth it. We're disciples of Jesus. We'll, we will remain committed to God and his kingdom no matter what sacrifices are required. We are called to make disciples. No matter what happens, we have hope because Jesus promised to prepare a place for us where we will be with him forever. And they sacrifice. So the question is, are you in? 
Are you a follower of Jesus? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about having a personal relationship with Jesus. There's a difference between Christianity and religion. Religion is just a bunch of rules and things you try to obey. But Christianity is a relationship with a person by the name of Jesus Christ who you've committed your life to, to be your Lord, have all power and authority and control over your life, knowing that he was God's son. He went and died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he arose again and had victory over sin, over death, over the grave, and he's coming back. And he's coming back to call those up to be with him who have placed their faith and trust, not in the church, not in the ordinances, but in him. And they have this relationship with him. Are you in? Are you willing to sacrifice no matter what sacrifice is required? You say, well, Brother Sammy, how do I become in? Well, to be in, to be a Christian, to follow this Nazarene, you admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God, I'm a sinner. Then you repent of your sins. You turn from the way you're going, walking away from God. You stop, and by faith, you turn to the Lord Jesus. You turn to God. And you ask God, God, I'm sorry, and I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to forgive me, and I want you to save me. Ask him to forgive you. Repent, Acts 3.19, repent you therefore, be converted that your sins might be blotted out. And when you repent, ask him to save you. Call on him to save you. That's why Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call on him shall be saved. Then you receive him into your life. Lord, come into my life and save me. And the scripture says in John 1, verse 12, As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Come this morning, be in Christ. Be a follower of Jesus Christ. Commit your heart and your life to him because there's coming a time you'll be tested where you're in or whether you're out. There's a time always where your faith will be tested. So stand for the persecuted brothers and sisters Care for them, encourage them, and then pray for them. This morning, Terry's going to come and he's going to sing. He thought he was fixing to lead the hymn of invitation, but this is, this is going to be it. This will be our hymn of invitation. As Terry comes uh, this morning, you have an invitation. I'm just extending it for the Lord Jesus. It's his invitation. And he's, he's maybe speaking to you and says, listen, you need to give your heart and your life to me. I died for you on the cross where you could be forgiven of all of your sins. And I'm just asking for you to trust me and only me. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to do that? Not trusting in the church, not some ordinance, but just step out. And say, Brother Sammy, I want to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. Let me share something before Terry sings this. I thought it was kind of neat.
This is a conversation between a, a young a man and his son. The son says, Dad, has it always been this way? Father said, Well, even from the beginning, men hated Jesus, and even though he did nothing but love them and teach them and heal them, and they nailed him to a cross. They thought they'd killed him, but they only set him free. And then he came, it, he set him free to live in their hearts of the people like you and me who believe in him. And then came the apostles, and most of them were killed for telling other people about Jesus, and so they tortured them, and they killed them, and even left their bodies to rot as an example to other people, but their church kept right on growing, watered by the blood of those precious saints. The son said, but dad, did, did they want to die? His dad says, no, they didn't want to die. I mean, many of them had children just like you, and, and they left them behind. But they were forced to make a choice. They could choose to live this one life here on earth and reject Jesus and be damned, or they could believe in the words of Jesus and live forever. The son said, I think I understand. And dad says, well, here. Maybe this will help you understand. Listen to this song. See if it will help you understand. And as God speaks to your heart, Step out, trust Him, wayward Christian, repent, come back to Him. The, the longer we wait for Him to return, the harder it's going to be, the worse it's going to be. But He's coming back one day, you're going to be in, you're going to be out, and I'll pray that you'll come today to be in. Terry? the year 
the years have gone and the cause of Jesus still goes on now the time has come to count the cost to reject this world to embrace the cross and one by one let us live our lives for the one who died to give us life till the trumpet sounds on that final day let us proudly stand and boldly say I pledge allegiance to the Lamb With all my strength, with all I am I will seek to honor His commands I pledge allegiance to the Lamb, to the Lamb of God seek to honor his commands I pledge allegiance to the land I pledge allegiance to the land with all my strength with all I am, I will seek to honor His commands. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. I pledge.